You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, everybody. This is episode three of the Handicast, part of Disability After Dark, where I sit down with my sister and co-founder of Handy, and we talk about masturbation, sex, and disability together. And we do this once every two weeks on what we're calling Masturbation Monday. So it's time for that again. And this is episode three. Uh, And we are so excited today to be sitting down with our new friend, Katie, to talk about sex, disability, and masturbation. Katie, how are you today? Hi, Andrew. I'm okay, thank you. (sighs) So excited to have you. Excited to be here. It's lovely to talk to you again. It's always a pleasure. why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, tell us who you are and what you do, and tell us a little bit about your disabilities. I will do. So my name is Katie Venables, and I have hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, uh, which is something people haven't heard of unless they know somebody that has it, generally. Um, But it just means uh, all my joints are a bit wonky, bit painful they don't work exactly the way they should um but my background's in psychology um I studied uh psychology as an undergrad and then uh went in and focused more on neuroscience and did a cognitive neuroscience master's and um learned a hell of a lot about disability and pain along the way (laughs) And I, um, and you probably learned about it from, like, I took a neuroscience course once in, like, my undergrad because I was like, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to learn about the brain. I'm going to learn about CP that yeah, way. Yeah, it's definitely the coolest. And <laughs> you learn about it in, in, such a, in such a clinical way that, like, I learned about the brain, but it, was, it really scared me because I was like, oh, wow, disability is so scary when you read it from, like, a clinical text. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because I've actually kind of found the opposite like reading about disability in a very clinical way kind of um calms me down oh wow (laughs) yeah it's like I can fit the uh I can fit the pieces of the puzzle together so that Mm. what I'm experiencing can make sense to me because that's always something like I always want to understand everything and when it pain is so confusing because you never know if it matters or not like you never know if you need to go to the hospital because you're passing out from the pain or it's just Wednesday like you never know (laughs) uh, if 
uh, how seriously you should take it. So learning about it, I think, has definitely helped in some ways, but then in others, it makes me overanalyze things because I know too much. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, how does, and I've talked to a lot of people on the show but that have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, and so I know a little bit about it from their experience, but if you were to like paint us a picture, like how does it affect you from the time you get up to say the time you go to bed? Okay, so at, at the moment, I say at the moment, for the last couple of years, um, I've had uh, horrific pain, nerve pain that runs from my hip down to my foot. Um, so when I wake up in the morning, because I get loads of allergies, I start sneezing and that wakes me up by my sciatic nerve kicking off. <laughs> so oh, wow. that feels like I've been electrocuted. Good morning. <laughs> what another wonderful day. <laughs> We're sneezing and hurting and it, it's brilliant. Um, but then and I, yeah, I come downstairs, drink a shitload of coffee and take all my medicine of which there is ridiculous amounts and then um yeah as I go about my day I, I I go in a wheelchair if I go outside um but I actually don't go outside all that much <laughs> like this new everyone's even, like going even crazy. before like COVID-19 you were kind yeah of like... I mean honestly this has not changed my schedule much <laughs> the I was talking about it uh with my therapist and I kept saying like, you know, it's like nothing's different, nothing's different. So I don't know why I'm feeling kind of a bit more stressed out, a bit more anxious. And she was saying like, okay, so it doesn't change how much you go outside, but there's all these people in your house now. <laughs> and like, mm. so it is, my day is completely different. I would normally have hours in the morning to myself to take my pain relief, to be able to feel it kick in and during those moments, just do whatever felt right for me. Yeah. Um, but now I've got uh, my nine-year-old stepdaughter. She's here with us all the time. And uh, I've got to, you know, make sure she's all right. And even if it's just, I don't know. There's, kids always need something. <laughs> there's always something. There's yep. always something. And it always involves me standing up to look for something that was three feet away from her. Um, which is fine. It's great. But I do not get that time without doing things like that anymore. And that, that, is, that has been a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that sounds, like, that sounds like a lot. So is it, is it, from what you've described, is it just like... Is it is like the nerve pain from your hip to your like down your foot kind of like the primary thing you deal with or is it all is it like everywhere? It's funny it's not but what it is is I've that's what I've had the most medical appointments for recently <laughs> so that's what feels most important but actually it's just a, it is just a tiny portion of a, of a kind of um, a global pain in it so all of my joints dislocate very easily I'll probably have five or six dislocations a day might just be fingers or um it can be literally anything my ribs can dislocate which isn't even meant to be a thing <laughs> but it is fun so mine has dis dislocated actually as well so I have a little oh. bit of experience in that realm it's, yeah it's, in the back um oh god it feels like you've been one of the most them. awful things he does. And then, and then because they pop out once or twice and they become a little bit more used to popping out and joining the party and then the other ones want to pop out and join their friends. And yeah. <laughs> can't really, can't 
barely breathe or lie down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone's having fun at the party, but you. <laughs> exactly, except for you. Yeah. <laughs> the house. <laughs> In this case, the house loses. <laughs> house of the terrible, terrible guests. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm just trying to picture both of them. I'm trying to picture Riv popping out. It's grossing me out. It is gross. It is gross. I can do so much fun stuff to gross kids out. It's, it's fun. And adults. And adults. <laughs> You're a great, great party prick. <laughs> so many. That was, yeah, that was a real big, that was part of how I got my diagnosis because I was like, ah, look at this. They shouldn't do that. Ah. And um, then eventually someone's like, no, that really, that really shouldn't do that. So I went, we'll, <laughs> we'll go see a doctor. But uh, yeah, it's um, yeah. So it, it's it's joint pain, and then on top of that, um, just uh, in really intense chronic fatigue. Um, kind of feels like I'm wearing a like uh, you know those kind of like old school diving suits. Yeah. <laughs> if you picture like the fifties, like those big metal, almost like astronaut. Like it feels like wearing one of those yeah. on land all the time, and. Uh, and not even, and sleeping doesn't help and things like that but I also have fun and live a really um fulfilled life so it is it, it's funny I, I always feel the need to say that because you say all these things about you and first thing on people's faces is often oh god oh no that sounds terrible <laughs> and it's like mm, oh yeah yeah exactly and it's like yeah well, it is it is a bit shit and please recognize that it's a bit hard so that you know we can communicate properly but also realize that it isn't everything that we can laugh at ourselves yeah oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i trying to think of any other questions about your disability experience uh how how does your partner help you manage with all your pain stuff like how does that uh he he's brilliant he um so he has to go out and get everything obviously so he's in charge of making sure i've got all my medicine i've also got um ADD as well so i'm really terrible at remembering to take my medicine where it is um what day i need to call them up and ask for it uh so so he sorts that for me um he he also just helps wherever he can he cooks all my meals he cleans my house he's good he's good i'd recommend him um <laughs> and he, he has yeah and he he bought me a, a massage table not that long ago, and so last night I was in, I was in agony with my my hip, and and he we just watched TV, and he spent the hour just massaging my ass actually, because that's where my static pain is. <laughs> but he's bruised like just because my skin bruises so easily, just from him touching it repeatedly, it's all bruised. So I I keep going, oh my god, you can't believe you pummeled my ass so hard, I can't sit down. <laughs> We're having fun. Oh, you, you can just tell your friends that that's what happened, and you don't have to tell them the rest. <laughs> yeah. Just got my ass truly pummeled. <laughs> um, what are some of the challenges around? sex and disability with hyper EDS that you that you face or, or what are some of the, the frustrations you have around sex and disability yeah I mean it's just that it's the more kind of 
pain you're in or, or the more disabled you are, if that's, I don't know if that goes on a scale or what, but um, it, it really does become uh, just something that's always there. So it becomes more and more difficult to, to have time with each other. I'm also on so much medicine that, uh, that tries to kill all that feeling, um, both emotionally and physiologically. Like I was telling Andrew recently that um, we found out after a long time that the reason I was having a brand new difficulty orgasm in was because of the medication I was taking. So mm. it tries to inhibit nerve signals. So yeah. the same terrible nerve signals, uh, you know, the sensation comes the same way that the good ones do. Yeah. And uh, none of that was getting yeah. through. And it, but the only way I found out about it was that that was the reason was talking to other people with different disabilities and then it, we all found out this was a thing for us they also happened to be um chronic pain disorders and so we were saying you know oh maybe it's because we're in more pain now that we can't come anymore like has your pain mm. increased yeah my pain's increased and um but of course as your pain increases so does your medication so it's yeah. yeah 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 so um They've actually taken me off those now. <laughs> and I have found a difference. So that's nice. <laughs> but I'm sure it's, I mean, that's, that's great that you've, you've been able to like figure out the difference. But I'm sure it's fucking frustrating to be like, oh, in order for me to not have pain, I can't come if I want to. I know, I know. It was really frustrating. And in a relationship as well, like, uh, it's, it's hard to express how much it's not about your partner do you know what i mean like there was nothing yeah. less attractive about him he wasn't doing the wrong thing and you can tell that person that mm. over and over again but it would take an incredibly strong person not to take it a little bit personally yeah. do you know what i mean like yeah. of course yeah because we put it, so much emphasis we put so much emphasis on like you have to have the orgasm in order to yeah to show that you've had enjoyment and if you don't do that then you've somehow failed which is yeah. ridiculous. It is. And I think, I, think, I think men feel that more than women, having been in yeah. straight and queer relationships as well, and just talking to friends. Um, like, yeah. I don't know, there was, a, there was a joke, there was a joke on a TV show once, and it was two, two straight women imagining what it would be like to be lesbians, and they kissed on the bed. <laughs> And then they said, oh, that was lovely. Should we do something else now? And it was just that idea that, you know, you can have a nice kiss and lie down <laughs> and not have to make each other come. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. I think, yeah, like from my perspective, male ego is so sensitive um, and yeah. they want to think that you've had um, a release. And then obviously this isn't indicative of your partner, but I'm like a single girl. So it's a much different scenario. Um, mm -hmm. They want to think that they've given you that release that nobody wants to put in the work either. Yeah. <laughs> or the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, God love them. him. But if he's going there for an hour and there's still, still nowhere near, like totally. you boy a break. Totally. Like. <laughs> Absolutely. And his and neck. And his neck a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I was the only one with hand pain at the start. Sometimes you're just not going to get there. Exactly. Share the load, right? Yeah, and like it makes me tempted. It makes me so tempted to fake orgasm. And I think if I was single, yeah, and it wasn't a trust thing or whatever within with with my partner, then I would. Frankly, yeah. Just because to get, just to get also, on with it, yeah, sometimes it's the easiest way. It, but also to go, oh, I genuinely have had a lovely time. <laughs> and exactly. that has come to an end now. Able to orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for your service. Um, if you could exactly. go downstairs for 10 minutes before you come back, that would be great. <laughs> exactly. Um, and has, has so being off the meds that were kind of dampening your sensations, that's, has that that's helped? And it's kind of back to where it was before or? Um, it has. So this is very new. So in the last week, um, they've asked me to come off the painkillers that I've been on for the last four years. Um, mm. And I was taking the largest dose humanly allowed. Um, and it wasn't working anymore, basically. And it still, it still wasn't yeah. enough. So they want to they take me off it and try me on a brand new thing. The brand new thing is also it turns out renowned for making people not be able to come, oh. which is so frustrating. <laughs> but um, but so far, so far so good. <laughs> I've definitely got much more sensation, but I've also got a hell of a lot more pain. And, yeah, and how does, yeah. we've talked about this before um, in some of our other chats, just in terms of like this um, sort of duality between like and this coexistence between pleasure and pain and where sort of orgasm and sex kind of fits into that do you mind um sharing with people kind of some of your thoughts on that sort of marriage between pleasure and pain and how they kind of interweave together yeah i mean um i think uh i think the most important thing i've learned on this journey is to just always always ask is it worth it and if the answer is yes, you do it, you, you have to do it <laughs> because it's all about a balance of um, quality of life, basically, making sure you're getting the most you possibly can out of your life. But that does come at the cost of a lot of pain. And sometimes that's too much. And if you just can't deal with it then you don't do it, it's, um, it sounds really easy, but it's really hard to to find that balance of is it worth it because you think oh but if i'm if i miss out on this then i won't be able to do that but you have to put your your body first i think and that can be like that can be anything that's hard when we when also many of our bodies have have quote unquote betrayed us over time with pain and stuff Mm. so you don't want to you don't want to listen to your body you want (laughs) to power through and, and get that cookie at the end yeah because it feels good but do you i did have a question about what you mentioned you know you're on you're trying trialing these new meds and going on and off did you feel it was appropriate for you to sit down with your doctor and be like yo i want to come and these meds don't allow that like is that a conversation that you would have with a doctor yeah i would have absolutely especially with my doctor she's amazing she um She's the first doctor to truly believe me, I think is fair to say. 
um, when it when it comes to my pain and things like that. And the first doctor truly listened to me. And I think absolutely, if I said to her, "Look, this ain't working. We need, I need to find drugs that that let me come." But I know that my that that would be opiates or more opiates. And I am very conscious that I'm 29. I've got a chronic pain condition. And I'm going to be in pain forever. And I'd like there to be a tier left to go to um, when when everything else runs out. So I want to try everything else first, really, even if that means not not being able to come very easily. It still happens occasionally. It just takes ages. <laughs> it's, does uh, yeah. does yeah. The, the inability to come affect, like, we talked a little bit of, just a minute ago about how, like, the expectations of a partner but does it has it made you have to reframe how you enjoy sex like does it make you have to look at that a different way um other than the kind of uh you know like we was talking about when it when is it finished <laughs> like when is sex finished kind of thing um no because i mean for me um so my current partner is actually the only partner to have made me come through sex anyway. Um, so that's wow. kind of uh, a new. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's why, that's why, that's why he's still here. I mean, fuck's sake. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was, so I used to just fake it with boys before, but I still enjoyed sex. I still enjoy sex when I, when I don't come and like when I was with women, uh, you wouldn't always both come and it, it, it's, but it's still, still sex, you know, if you're, if you're together doing that. So it, it, no, it doesn't feel like a, the most important part of sex for me at all. It, it's probably like five yeah. or six down the line. Um, that's good. That's great. Cause I, cause I know for me as a, a cis man, like the pressure to come, especially with other, with other men that I sleep with, the pressure to come is so, is almost double because that's how you as a, as a man, as a cis man will know that things are progressing the right way, quote unquote, mm-hmm. the right way. So if you don't do that and with my disabilities, sometimes I can't come either and it's really frustrating or I was talking to Heather before this, sometimes because of my disability, I'll come when I don't want to. And it's super. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember saying yeah. Like, so it's really, it can be really, I think, frustrating to put so much emphasis on that part of it when you should be focusing yeah. on like the other 95% of how awesome it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, let me just get the right question. Because, like, if, if you're. Uh, like so if you found out tomorrow you was never gonna come again would that stop you from wanting to have sex i think i'd cry for a good 10 minutes oh oh god don't get me wrong i mean the contemplation of the end would would be there but if uh once you got past the initial shock would you would you still want to have sex i think so yeah yeah for sure because well, for sure, like as a single woman, um, yeah. the amount of times that I come from having sex, especially with the first or even second time with a guy is like zero, zero yeah. percent. <laughs> very, yeah, of very yeah, yeah. And I still jump, I'm still straight in there. So. 
So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good. it's just, you know, as you get used to a, a partner and you get more comfortable with knowing what each other likes and they get more used to you and vice versa, then obviously those instances like your orgasms increase, um, but it yeah. doesn't stop you from still giving it a go and having the closeness and having the like personal touch and the connection yeah. with somebody. And it's still hot. So there's so much like... more to sex than orgasm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it all yeah. depends who your partner is. Hit, hit and miss for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in theory it's hot <laughs> exactly in my head it's always hot <laughs> yeah close your eyes it can still be hot exactly please turn off the lights <laughs> it's really not about me though <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it turns out I'm shy today so now I need the lights <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's never happened before oh, yeah and like I, I wish there were like I love the I love that conversation I wish there were more of like those the the rest of sex like the 95 percent of sex that is an orgasm i wish that porn and i wish that like sexual media would show me that and would highlight the importance of that over oh my god you have to come because for disabled people like us who struggle with coming to orgasm it can be really frustrating when that narrative is not cannot be part of your sex yeah yeah, absolutely. And and um, although, like I say, I do still enjoy sex, it's not, it's not an easy, it's not an easy sacrifice. There's a lot of things that are not an easy sacrifice with, with my medication. So the other um, big impact is is on my cognitive function when I take this medicine. Right. So it's 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 an anti seizure medication that just so happens to help pain. Uh, so it's to it's to uh, stop overactivation of of the brain essentially. Yeah, and, I, um, I've yeah, taken them. Really I've taken stuff like that when I was younger for different things that they thought would help. And it, it, you know, the trouble with medications like that is it really makes you almost in a fog, and you don't quite know yes. how to like. You're there, and you're doing all the things, but you're not really there, and you're not really doing it. It's they're very weird. Yeah, and I do, I do feel like that now. To be honest, like I find it very easy. I know exactly what I want to say at the beginning of the sentence, but by the end of it, I've forgotten who I am. <laughs> like, it, it just happens so quickly. And yeah, it can happen at the most inopportune moments, like in really important, uh, like deep conversations with my partner. We just have this really long, important conversation. I know it, I can feel it. I still feel the emotion, but I've forgotten <laughs> everything that's just happened. <laughs> and it's like oh yeah it, it's incredibly frustrating and it's for someone that's always been able and very much enjoyed talking and communication it's new and even though it's been four years it still feels very new to not be able to communicate as easily as I would hope to or would normally yeah I just had a question about kind of a jokey question about like, the medication so if you're having a conversation with him and you like you, can you ever use that that forgetfulness to your advantage like oh i'm just gonna forget that i said that part i guess probably i haven't yet i haven't yet but um oh no for sure with stuff like oh i was gonna 
I was going to do Isabel's homework with her, but oh, whoops, forgot. Like, yeah, maybe maybe a bit more <laughs> that side of things. But uh, yeah, I was going to clean up after myself. But oops, ADD, you know what? So oops, yeah. Step up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we talked a little bit about sex with partners and one kind of how that is with all your things and the EDS and the medication. I want to kind of shift to how sex is with yourself with EDS and the meds. And so like, what are some of the, I wrote down what are some of the challenges of masturbation for you as a disabled person, but I want to kind of amend that to say, what are some of the fucking awesome moments of masturbation for you as a disabled person? And then some of the challenges too. Yeah. Um, I think when I do orgasm, I think now I'm disabled, now I live with chronic pain, I think there's a, I think I get more out of it than other people. <laughs> um, like when I orgasm, I don't just get the sensation of orgasm, I get all of the negative sensations removed from me at the same time and when you don't get a break from pain having the exact opposite of pain for any amount of time um is essential it's essential i think it's uh it's one of the best um pain relievers if I could take orgasm in a pill, I would like, and like that, even if it just meant like, not even the nice genitals shit, if it just meant the after effects, yeah. <laughs> um, the way it calms me down, I can sleep after I masturbate yeah. and that I never, I can never sleep. I never get to sleep, but I, I can sleep after I come and it's, and it's, yeah, it's a function for me, that is very important um, for pain relief. Um, but the frustration is that my hands don't work very well. Um, me too, so, hey. Yeah, hi. Um, yeah, so every joint means every joint. There's a hell of a lot of joints in your hands. <laughs> and your fingers, the little bastards, they creep in everywhere. Every chance they get, they've put a joint in there. And uh, yeah, that all hurts when um, when I'm trying to masturbate. And then you use toys, like obviously we've spoken about before. And um, they've got all of them have got these really slippy little buttons that it makes it so difficult to turn them on or off and change the speed or whatever it is. And uh, just holding them against you can feel incredibly difficult to the point where I think if I use my vibrators, I might come more easily, but it's so much of a hassle to use a vibrator in itself that I'd rather like ruin all the ligaments in my hands <laughs> to do it manually. <laughs> Cause at least like, I'm not going to drop my finger just before I come. <laughs> it's a fucking trade off. Cause like yeah. what I'm picturing is like, you have just finished, finished orgasming and then you, <laughs> You what are you hand. picturing, Andrew? I'm, picture, well, I'm picturing you. Yeah, exactly. You just finished your hand. <laughs> you, you pull your hand out and then your poor thumb is like dislocated and all your fingers are like weirdly dislocated. Uh, 
<laughs> and you're like, oh, I had the best time, but now my, you know, my, now my fingers look weird. They do. They actually do, though. What happens <laughs> is my first three fingers, like, curl up, <laughs> almost like a Lady Gaga, like, monster hand. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> they curl up and they spasm for ages like this. And they, uh, it happens with my thumb as well, because that just... It, it just likes to kick off when it can of um but it means that as soon as i go on my phone i can't go on instagram after i've come because i'm liking everyone's fucking pictures because <laughs> the way the thumb just so happens is the exact way the double tap and uh yeah so isn't that really hard for me to live with andrew don't I you mean, feel sad for me that i can't go on to instagram too soon after coming it's such a tragedy it's such <laughs> How will we all sleep tonight knowing that I'm going through that? <laughs> well, if you come tonight, maybe you'll sleep tonight, so it'll be... Well, there we go. At least one of us will be sleeping, eh? <laughs> yes. Um, what did I want to ask you? Do, so, do you ever... Does the spasm in your hands ever help your masturbation? Like, if you're having a oh, spasm? Probably. Probably. It probably would if I was able to be delicate. <laughs> But because I can't feel anything, there's nothing delicate about my masturbation procedure. So a tiny little quiver is nah. That's not Doesn't good really do anything. Nah. Although I did used to get spasm in my tongue, which again was more helpful, isn't it? Oh, but there oh. interesting. <laughs> I feel like that's a good selling point. Thank you, thank you. you Please put you. it on the poster. <laughs> yeah, for sure for sure i'll put it in the show notes that you're i'll put it in the in the show notes that your your tongue used spasm so it's great um you mentioned a little bit about kind of kind of how toys didn't really work for you didn't didn't work for you if you and you I, you know we're designing a toy but if you were to design a toy that would yeah. work just for you that is for you Ooh. what would you want to see in that toy that's a really good question. I guess, um, yeah, just as hands-free as possible. Like, um, the closest thing I've ever come across in my extensive <laughs> sex toy research is, like, <laughs> some, <laughs> some strap-ons come with, like, a built-in vibrator. Right. So, yeah. um but like, if you just want to wank without your hands, you maybe don't want to get fully dressed up in your levers <laughs> with a big old dick just to uh, just to come, you know. That's awesome. Um, so you'd want something like well, and you said hands free as possible. Guess what? Yes, that's what we're on right now. Oh my god, you're kidding! It's coming. It's yes. it's, it's literally coming. <laughs> we're all going to be coming <laughs> um, no I have I, mentioned the, the idea of, uh, just the idea of hands free sex toys so many of my friends like disabled or not queer or not and they've all got really specific ideas about how that could help them or yeah, how that would them. improve their sex lives and like yeah. there hasn't been a single yeah. person that's just been like oh well why would you need that do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's such a when we you know when we started telling people and when we started putting it out there, the looks on people's faces like, oh yeah, I could use it too. Like, yeah, of course. Like, 
it's such a universal need and we were surprised at how quickly it spread like people wanting it so that I, I i'm really excited to see to to well to share what we're gonna share i can't say too much about it but to it's gonna it's gonna blow people's minds quite literally um, yes i'm i'm very excited uh what else did i want to ask you you kind of already mentioned this to us but is there any other ways that sex and masturbation is a pain reliever for you um what other than yeah i mean physiologically yeah quite literally with with the neurotransmitters that are released when you orgasm it it does work you know said before it works better than the liquid morphine yeah um, and it feels better as well and um no, none of my able-bodied friends have got to try liquid morphine either but i can tell you they're both really good but um <laughs> yeah no no it, it the way the way which you crave pain relief when it is constant. Because I think a lot of people think as chronic pain is like, oh, I don't know, like maybe when I've had a low backache for a bit or something. But yeah, they assume that it's a dull a ache. A dull ache. That is just like always there. Maybe, maybe, and maybe sometimes it is, but a lot of the time it's like, oh, fuck, this is really, really hurting, and it's there all the time. Yeah, so when, it, when it's, yeah, when it's a loss of your day is taken up with, swearing and saying ow and trying to remember how to breathe because it hurts so much there's um there's a lot that you would give up for that to go away and um yeah the but the the, the brilliant thing is you don't you don't have to give anything up with masturbation it is an inbuilt pain reliever it's a thing we can and should be able to do for ourselves that's why you know when the who say it's a human right that's what they're talking about isn't it is yeah. that, that we should be able to get sexual pleasure whether that it's we, from ourselves not just that we should we fucking deserve it yeah absolutely mm. like yeah you could yeah like i said orgasms work better than liquid morphine and they can't prescribe them so <laughs> There's so many there's so many possible like taglines for this episode <laughs> i don't even know where to start. i think um, they're all filthy but i, I you know I, I liked how you mentioned earlier like when you masturbate you can sleep the same with me with my cp i have really high tone so normally if somebody's resting and relaxing their tone is zero yeah. my tone even if i'm resting relaxing is like two maybe three all the times so i'm always the muscles are always tense even when they're relaxed so yeah. but i notice when i come even in moments where i don't want to my yeah. whole body will relax and it's a brief moment of like, oh, that my knee went down and rested on the bed the entire way. That doesn't yeah. happen in real life. Like what yeah. the, you can see the effect of like, you can literally see the effect of I just came, but and now my whole body is relaxed. Yeah. And like, um, technically I should be in more pain than normal because I've just been using all my body uh, to, to masturbate, to be able to come to have sex, whatever it is. Um, but it's, it's, I'm not, and I'm not for ages, it, like a whole hour can go by of relative relaxation and, and that's unheard of for me. So it's, yeah, and it did. I mean, usually with disability and chronic pain, like you're lucky if you get five minutes of like, not, of like not feeling your body. So the fact that yeah. you can go an hour and just kind of enjoy, 
I'm I'm happy for you that that's that's a possibility because yeah. and maybe when our toy comes out you'll have more hours of of yes and so will you yeah that's right yeah um, one of the things we're doing at Handy is we're writing a we're writing a book about all of these things we're putting a little guide together mm. about um about all this and I can't remember what is Heather what is our final title of the book what have we decided we're calling it yet we haven't decided yet cool <laughs> so we're putting together a book <laughs> you're Who's you're that? writing the book right <laughs> yes we've got some working titles some you know but um we don't have a final title yet i think probably I a lot of that's happening without the keep exploring that i understand <laughs> <laughs> um as we keep exploring some of the like quotes and stuff um we will find one that's just absolutely perfect so it's got to have that kind of perfect um edge of edge and provocation um which is definitely shining through in katie's uh, working title um <laughs> and also that sort of um cheek and bit of a wink and a smile which is a little bit lacking in katie's working <laughs> i've got the australian we take, one we are taking recommendations i've got the australian one as well equally filthy i hope you're ready what about rooting for the disabled <laughs> I like that. I mean, I, that's, that's, I think, a little bit less dirty. That's true, that's true. Yeah, I mean, more, more into that, more into that. <laughs> Just won't work over here. Nobody in, in North Britain, America In Britain, I reckon we should be disabled wankers. I don't think we could be. <laughs> um, well, it yeah. could be, it, that could be definitely authored by disabled wankers, and then we yeah. can give the full list. <laughs> it is anyway. I reckon that's probably anyway. good. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> a wanker's guide to disability. Ah, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> a wanker's thoughts on sex and disability. So we're putting this this soon to be titled book together, and we're we're putting together all these ideas around how sex and disability feels, and kind of really kind of not only unearthing the things that so many of us already talk about, but really getting to the cutting to the like emotional part of it and how all that feels, and that's the part that I'm most excited about because in a lot of sex and disability literature it kind of starts and stops with here's how to have sex and disability 101 here's what it is and then we're done and this kind of goes so much deeper than that and I, I I've been working with you and uh, Jess one of our other teammates on all this for the last few weeks and I'm curious to know from you in doing this project and putting all this stuff, because it's different when you talk about it. When you talk about it, you just say it, and then there it is. But it's different when you like commit to putting it into into onto paper and putting it down in words. And it can be really emotional. When when we were tasked with writing some of our quotes down, I definitely had a day where I was like, okay, I have feelings about this. I have to like sit and have a cry about what I just wrote because wow, it's like, how do you feel when like when we asked you to to sending quotes how do, how has it made you feel to, to put that on paper it's been um equally challenging as it has been rewarding i think but the but that's because it's been really really challenging and really really rewarding but um so i've never really put into words i've never really written down my thoughts about sex and disability particularly in this way before um other than in sort of you know text messages or, or 
uh, little comments online or, or, or things like that. Um, and the only thing I can kind of equate it to for me is I had to fill out a really grueling, um, horrible uh, government aid form uh, not that long ago. Oh, wow. Uh, they asked you about sex and disability. Wow, they basically they asked me about everything. So it's about it's your it's about your daily life with disability. People in England will will be familiar with the PIP forms. Um, there's a lot of controversy because it's ableist as fuck um, and a horrific process and has left people with very severe disabilities without enough uh, food to live. So yeah, it's not it's not a great system. But anyway, they ask you in very great depth. Um, about all the things that you can't do so it's it was a 2000 essentially 2000 word essay if you if you took took it all together on all the things that I cannot do anymore and that broke me I had to write the whole thing in therapy with my therapist and it was so that after every line of writing, you know, I cannot walk, I cannot go outside anymore, I cannot do this anymore. This is something I'm unable to do unaided anymore. So that at least she, when, if she was there, I could go to her. But life's still worth living, right? You know, because it was so intense to go through all these things. And whilst I it's like just another example of you having to prove to the government that you can't so you can get a little tiny pittance of money to survive yeah it's so dehumanizing it is so dehumanizing um what is also ridiculous is so I got refused point blank uh the first time they said that I had nothing that would qualify me for disability benefit and the second time after I appealed that decision I'm getting um the benefit for my mental health, but not for my mobility issues. So I cannot get any help from the government for a wheelchair, um, even though I can't leave my house without one. Um, They've decided that because I still have a car um, that I drive, maybe I can't drive at all at the moment because um, since my sciatica started, I'm in too much pain. But at the time, I was driving it once a week, and they said that that proved that I didn't have a disability. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's like, why wow. make me fill in the rest of the form then, you bastards? Just ask me if I can drive. <laughs> you tear me down on that. Anyway, so that was a terrible experience. But what has been amazing about this experience is, yes, I'm having to go over some of the same difficult stuff, but now I get to tell my side of it. It's not being judged by somebody who is trying, literally trying to not give me money, is trying to prove that I'm not disabled. Um, now I get to talk to other disabled people about it. Yeah. And that sense of, even in my writing, like I'm writing with a sense of community in mind and having read um, books or social media feeds of, of other disabled people I know who I'm writing for and I'm excited for the opportunity to represent them yeah and um, that's the most exciting part for me and I, I love when I when when you know when Heather or Jess sends us away with a bunch of quotes to do I know mm-hmm. that you'll be reading it too and so when I write I'm like don't I don't have to feel 
uncomfortable being the only disabled person writing the shit down. Yeah. I know yeah. that when we're done, you'll have a piece and I'll have a piece and we can like compare notes as to like, okay, your experience is like this and then my experience is like this. And it's nice to know that it isn't just going to a bunch of non-disabled people who, who are going to read it and go, oh, I never realized that. But it's going to somebody who I know gets it intrinsically and mm-hmm. can read my quote and, and feel community. So my hope is that when we do get it out and it finally is released, somebody can read our quotes and feel that same sense of community with us. Like, oh, there are two people that I can, that I can read their quote and not feel so alone now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I wonder, like, oh, sorry, I was just gonna say, like, um, I wonder if coming from, um, like, more of the able-bodied side of thing too, you'll end up having, I guess, maybe accomplishing a few things and having, um, more people have those kind of light bulb moments, which I think can only help. But also for people who thought they might have been alone because perhaps they don't currently identify specifically with a specific disability or a specific disabled community um, actually realize that some of the things that they're um, experiencing or going through they're not alone in um, but they just haven't found a community or a sense of community in that same way yet but um, it's such a vast spectrum right Um, and everybody's experiences are so broad that to know that these conversations are, are even being started whether you're um, currently identifying as a dis, uh, with a disability or, or, or whether you're not but you, you can still be experiencing a lot of the same things that you guys are mentioning um, and definitely as I've been reading through um, you know some of the things that you guys have been writing about it's just been so incredibly interesting but then you can also start to draw parallels with some of the other things that you've experienced as they, somebody described me yesterday as, um, I'm sure you guys have heard this as a tab, a temporarily able-bodied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard that. <laughs> because actually. obviously, like that. well, maybe not, maybe not obviously, but you know, the, the thought is that at some point we'll all sort of encounter disability as you know, our lives go on and as we're obviously part of an aging population. So I, yeah, I just thought yeah. that was really an interesting way of looking at things as well. Absolutely. And um, like I've had a, I read a thing the other day and it was I think it's 70% of people become disabled and like that that's 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 a load of people that aren't expecting to be disabled right yeah which means (laughs) that we have to start putting the infrastructure in place now like why why the fuck aren't we doing like not just in terms of sex but just disability from a general perspective Mm -hmm. like if 70% 70% of people are meant to become disabled. We have done. A- oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Not 70% of people will be disabled, but 70% of disabled people have acquired that disability oh, okay. rather than being born I- with it. Yeah, no. Because <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, no, that is scary. <laughs> Although, um, oh, but the stats are like if you get as you get older I think the stats aren't actually that far from that it might even be, be higher like I think it might yeah. even be closer to like 80 or 90 percent the higher that you get closer to that kind of centennial mark um, yeah. the more your increasing likelihood goes up in terms of just and, and disability is so broad right it can mean so many different yes. things and, and it, it occur in so many different ways but um, I think like I've said to Andrew before like this um this endeavor isn't completely selfless. It's a type of um, in- orgasm insurance so that future mm. Heather can benefit from, from yes. current Heather's work. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think is uh, yeah, no, my favorite stat to terrify myself with late at night is that um, 100% of people over the age of 85 have some form of dementia. 
A hundred percent of people. Yeah. And that uh, is scary. That is scary, isn't it? And and yeah, uh, and there was uh, to go hand in hand with that idea. If you look at um, like the population in terms of age, like the pyramid. So it's always been the very very old at, at the tippy top of the Tip pyramid. The pyramid's yeah. eventually gonna uh, turn into more of a rectangle, and then that yeah. means that a hundred percent and an, another enormous percent. Of, of the top tier are going to have some form of dementia. Oh, yeah. oh God, dementia is one of the things that worries me the, like, because we've got it in our family yeah. as well. So we've seen it yeah. firsthand and it's definitely, um, yeah, scary. It yeah. is, yeah. I studied aging, at, um, so that was uh, uh, cognitive functioning, functioning and aging was, was my neuroscience thesis. And it, it was equal parts fascinating terrifying but mm. also hopeful i got to meet so many incredible old people who were amazing and um a lot of them did have uh, some form of physical disability but um yeah but it, it was great as well i love talking <laughs> i love talking to them because at that point in my life when i was um early 20s they were the only other disabled people i'd ever met <laughs> So I kind of had this real um, eye-opening experience, yeah, into the life of disability through people that had lived both, and uh, yeah, I was quite. That was that was when I was um, becoming more and more disabled. So I think that that was a really happy coincidence that those two two things married up in time. I have finished the questions I wrote down. Mm -hmm. Did you have any questions for us, or Heather? Did you have any others that I didn't think of? Oh, I'm good. Put me on the spot. I can't think of anything. <laughs> I thought, oh, your face. I thought you were all giggled. I was like, oh no, did you come up with a question? Um, <laughs> no, no, that's okay. But this was so fun. I'm so glad we got to sit down and thank you for taking the time. For you, it's late. So thank you for taking the time for popping on today. And I, loved it. I haven't come yet, us. so I can't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and on that button i think we will end the interview how, but before we do that how can i want to make sure that in the in the handy um in the show notes for this episode which comes out on monday for us in the for us in not australia and then tuesday <laughs> for people in australia uh so i want to um i want to I am rambling. I want to let people know how to get a hold of you. How do they do that? Uh, so my Instagram is at Febbers with two S's. So, so that, that's where I am. <laughs> Vebers, V-E-B-B-E-R-S-S. Perfect. I will make sure that that's on all the socials. This has been Handicast Episode 3, talking with Katie Venables, my new friend, and we are working on a book all about sex and masturbation and handiness. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, thank you so much for coming on, Katie. It was super fun to have you. And I know that you and I are going to talk well after this is done. But yes. so much for chatting with, me, with us today. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's been fantastic. Thanks. Speak Bye. Soon. Bye. All right, everybody, that was episode three of The Handicast. 
a podcast within Disability After Dark where I sit down with my sister and co-creator of Handy, Heather Morrison, and we sit down with guests and talk about sex, masturbation, disability, all those things. And one of the things I particularly enjoy about these episodes that makes it different from the ones that you hear on Thursday, the like OG episodes of Disability After Dark, these episodes of the Handycast are not only a part of the Disability After Dark Network, but they're also on our website at Handy. That's that's Handy, T-H-A-T-S-H-A-N-D-I dot co. You can go on our website and you can get the, the, the podcast there as well. One of the things I also enjoy about them, doing, them, doing these Handycast episodes as part of, um, as part of a podcast series with my sister, is that I get to sit down with somebody who's non-disabled and talk about disability-related stuff and sex and things that my sister, who is not disabled, may never have thought of before. And I think there's something really powerful and really important. The inver- the the interview with Katie and he- Heather that you just heard now was really important because you got to see and you got to kind of hear he- Heather and Katie have similar experiences one is a disabled woman, one is a non-disabled woman, and kind of talk about that stuff, but from very different viewpoints. And I think all of us on that interview learned a lot of stuff. So I love being able to bring non-disabled people like my sister along on the journey with this. I think it's really powerful and valuable to do that. So I hope you enjoyed listening to that. And I hope you will come back to listen to all the episodes of Disability After Dark, but especially the episodes of, of The Handicast. And we're looking for guests for our next few episodes of The Handicast. So if you want to come on and talk about disability and masturbation with us, you can do that. Or if you want to come on the Thursday episode of Disability After Dark or the Quarantine and Chills on Friday, you can do that. There's a whole bunch more content coming for you, and I'm so excited for that. Thank you for listening to episode three of The Handicast. We'll be back every two weeks on Monday. Thanks for listening, friends. Bye.